0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. If it's your first time here, I think there are some first-timers. We extend to you a very special welcome and glad you are here with us this day To worship the Lord. Just want to follow up on a couple of announcements that Ricky made. Um, Next Sunday night, July 30th, for our Grace Matters, we're going to be hearing from our Cuba and Italy teams. We've got people in Mexico, all over the world. And as Ricky mentioned, it it will be a great time to just get a sense of how the Lord is using us, all of us, uh, in our service around the world. I'm so sorry that Allison and I will not be here next Sunday night. We're going to be out of town. And so they're going to be recording that for us. We want to see and hear video and actually see and hear what is said on Sunday night. So be here next week. And then also Discovery Lunch on August the 6th. If you are relatively new to Grace, or even if you've been here six months or so, but you've not really connected with a lot of people, then I would encourage you to come to Discovery Lunch on August the 6th. It'll be right after uh, second service, and we'll have a a meal, informal time of just getting to know one another. You can get a little bit of better sense about our church if you will attend that. But we need you to sign up online, if you would. Please... um, Sign up online and and be ready to meet some of the elders and some of the staff to have more interaction with the staff. Well, this past week, I received an email that was promoting a book published by the Gospel Coalition titled, You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity, For weary churches. Now, understand, I have not read this book. I am not recommending that you read this book. Please understand that. But I wanted to make the point that there is a growing concern among evangelical leaders that an unseen weariness is beginning to take root in gospel preaching churches. My goodness, COVID did a number on. All churches, but especially gospel-preaching churches. Don't ask me to back up that statement. I don't know why I just said it that way. It, did, it, made an, it, it, it really did a number on all churches. And certainly the gospel-preaching churches with which we are connected struggle through and even post-COVID. It's is, is weariness. And by the way, <clears throat> quite a few ministers have retired. Now, some of them may get back into ministry one day, but it's just a lot of stress on ministers today. You have made it quite easy for our staff. Thank you very much. So is weariness a a threat here at Grace Community Church? I suppose it's always a possibility, but it need not overwhelm us. Indeed, it must not overwhelm us. Last week, we began a three-week mini-series in Galatians 6, and we began with verses 1 through 5, where we were encouraged to support one another, even when we fail. Even in our failures, we support one another. And then to come alongside of those who have been tasked with a load that is too heavy for them to bear alone. We need not bear the burden of ministry alone in God's design. But rather, we should both support and rely on one another. Today in verses 6 through 10, we'll be challenged as individuals to protect and promote the gospel ministry by doing our part to support those in the church. Enabling ministry to expand well beyond these walls on August 6th, Galatians 6, 11 through 18 will point us to the cross of Jesus where we will find encouragement, meaning and comfort of all things, find, finding comfort in the cross of Christ. As I mentioned last Sunday, Galatians 6, 1 through 10 is one unit, even though we've broken it up over two weeks. And so the application today will cover all 10 verses. There is much to consider, so let's get going. And if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading again all 10 verses from Galatians 1, and then we'll settle in, beginning in verse 6. Brothers... If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Be seated. Galatians happens to be one of the very first New Testament epistles to be written. Thus, it was quite early in church life when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians. Paul likely wrote this letter to the Galatians sometime after his first missionary journey when he heard about what was going on in the churches in the region of Galatia. After Paul had been there and preached the gospel and many had believed in Christ, Judaizers or legalists from Jerusalem came up and said hey, great idea that you're believing in Jesus. He was a great man, and and he died for us. Yes, you've got to believe in Jesus. But you need to also keep the law of Moses if you want to be saved and stay saved because you have to follow all the ceremonial regulations, including circumcision. Now, it is safe to say that the Apostle Paul did not take this news well. In the first four chapters... Paul chided the Galatian believers for allowing the false teachers to remain in their midst. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? He said, really? You think you can stay saved any more than you can save yourself in the first place? What is wrong with you? Even though a lot of Churches in our day do not directly teach that the way to salvation is to believe in Jesus, but the way to stay saved is to keep doing good things. They imply as much. The New Testament makes it clear, though, that none of us are good enough to save ourselves and none of us are good enough to stay saved. Our only hope of salvation is when the Holy Spirit shows us our sin to repent of our sins, and call out to Jesus, trusting that what he did on the cross was payment for our sins. If your hope of salvation (coughs) rests in something that you have done, some good deed that you have done, or even a lifetime of good deeds, then you will miss heaven. You know, what Ricky Lee said several weeks ago rings in my head all the time, and this is one of those things that Preaching the gospel to yourself really helps. When he said, if you think you're too good or you think you're too bad, either way, you'll miss heaven. And what is the voice we often hear in our heads? You're bad, you're not this, you're not that. But no, the gospel reminds us that it wasn't our goodness that attracted the Lord to us. He just loved us. Jesus died for us. It's not about us getting to him. It's about him coming to us. And all we get to do is believe, to acknowledge and say, yes, Lord, I'm not. I I, I can't do this. I'm I'm not strong enough because I'm, I'm sinful. To acknowledge that, but then call out to Jesus and he will save us. That's the message of Galatians 1 through 4. Galatians 5 and 6 reveal the radical difference that our relationship with Jesus should make in our lives. But there are two ways to live the Christian life. One is to live by the power of the Spirit, and one is to live, oh, you know, just doing our best, kind of like we lived before we were saved, just hoping that we can be good enough to please the Lord. I see that Kevin DeYoung is written a book on how to please the Lord. I'm very interested in seeing what he has to say. I, I can't remember anything that he's ever said that I disagree with. And he says whatever he says very well. The way we please the Lord is to walk in the Spirit. But now Paul's teaching is not a matter of, don't you, don't you just think this would be best? It's a strong admonition to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Today's text, Galatians 6, 6-10, through 10, begins and ends with encouragement for us to be generous with the resources that God has given us. Or the resources that belong to Him anyway. Verse 6 indicates that in the very early days of the church... The paid pastor, or the paid preacher, the paid teaching elder, if you will, specifically, was already a thing. It was already understood that this was God's design. Remember Galatians being written very early. Even though there were no church buildings, no multiple staffs in churches then, This teaching was and is strong enough to include buildings and staff and missionaries and ministries. Galatians 6.6 is the closest thing that the New Testament has that would be considered an Old Testament tithe. But almost all commentators who speak to this verse are astonished that some people think, you know, I, I just... I don't, the tithe's not expected, so I don't think I'll give, or I'll just give as the Lord, as the Holy Spirit moves me. They're astonished to think that we don't consider at least 10% of what we have belonging to the Lord. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. One of the reasons for weariness in many churches is that a handful of people are doing most of the work. Almost all of the work. You have no doubt heard that in many churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And that same small group often provides the bulk of the church's financial needs. That is not the case here. On either count, either in serving or in giving... We have a whole lot better percentages than those. But this text is not about percentages. It's about believers, all believers, responding to the grace of God that is ours through Christ our Lord. If you've not been in the practice of giving or tithing, if you prefer, then may I encourage you strongly to pick a percentage of your income and start giving it, 3%, 5%. Or take the plunge and give 10% right from the beginning and 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 test the Lord as He tells us in Malachi and see what He will do. Our focus uh, for fasting and prayer in a few weeks on Wednesday, August the 2nd, will be our budget as we prepare for the budget next year and for the giving. As you can see, if you are here on Many Sundays, you could stick around for the second service and it will be as many people or more. You can see, and, and school's not back in yet, you can see we are going to need to either plant a church or churches or build in the not-too-distant future. And if the Lord is blessing us in that way, we're going to need to follow His lead and that is going to require that we are all faithful in our giving. Verses 7 to 10 go much deeper than what a believer does with his or her finances. But what we do with what God has given us is an undercurrent that runs throughout verses 6 through 10. In fact, Paul uses this very same principle of sowing and reaping in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 for what can be called grace giving. Look at those verses. In all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So, does Paul mean that if we give generously, we will become rich? Not what he's saying. The widow who gave all that she had and the Macedonian believers referenced here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 demonstrate that generous hearts do not necessarily lead to fat bank accounts. But God does promise to meet our needs. And I can tell you what I've observed over the years. Those who give generously have what they need. They just always have what they need. I may have said it in the last six months, so if so, please forgive me. I encourage even unbelievers, those who don't know Christ, look, develop a spirit of giving. If you follow the principles that God has established in His Word, your life is just going to go better for you. So whatever your Charity of choice, knowing when I say that, that sometimes I'm not going to like their charity of choice. I wouldn't agree with, with the things that they think are important. But this principle of giving works through all of life. And those who give have enough. And those who are stingy never have enough. It just never seems that they can be satisfied. The blessings that come from generous hearts cannot be assessed on or by a balance sheet. Our Cuba team was deeply moved by two observations that they made. The poverty of the Cuban believers and the joy of the Cuban believers. It is likely that Paul had giving in mind when he wrote... Galatians 6, 7 to 8. But his meaning goes much deeper than finances. Don't kid yourself, Paul said. And do not attempt to mock God. You are only mocking yourself. You might think, Paul was saying, you're getting away with living for yourself, living for pleasure, living for power. But you don't see the whole picture at present. You cannot sow broccoli seeds and hope to reap watermelons. wouldn't? That's in the new heavens. That's when, that's when that happens. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be watermelon, which is fairly nutritious anyway, is, especially for men. It's good for men. It's really going to be good for us in heaven. And it's, it's going to be just as good to us. If you sow to the flesh, Paul said, you will reap corruption. When you sow to the Spirit, though, Eternal life is yours and you will reap the benefits of a cruciform or a cross-shaped life. One of my children asked me last week, so, pops, how many ice cream flavors were around in your day? I mean, they didn't say it like that, but I, 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 you know, I'm like... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I was like, Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, butter pecan. And oh yeah, lemon, sometimes lemon, just imagine. That's what we had back in the day. And um, also, occasionally, you'd run into some sherbets. And, you know, so a little bit of flavor. Banana was, was available, but I, I used to think, really? Now, banana split, that's a good. Banana flavored ice cream? Don't get it. Here's a question. Have the number of choices that have increased in your life, not just for ice cream, but for everything, does that do all of these choices bring you comfort and peace and joy, or do they sometimes overwhelm you? Is it possible that the endless choices we have in almost every area of our lives contribute to the general weariness that is not only evident in churches, but in the land. See, one of the things that walking in the Spirit does is that it helps to focus our hearts and, attent- and minds on, and attention on eternal matters. The one who sows to the Spirit will reap Eternal life. Is that a sort of a a works kind of thing that he's promising? As long as you sow to the spirit, you'll reap eternal No. Eternal life begins now. I don't usually say that. It can be confusing to some people because this it's this world's never gonna be what the new heavens and the new earth will be like. But when we have eternal life, we begin to reap those benefits. And the more we sow to the Spirit, the more benefits we reap. For some unexplainable reason, those of us who know better are willing to repeatedly deceive ourselves, thinking that fleshly pursuits and worldly activities will finally make us happy. Hear these words from John Stott. quote, Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, or wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company whose insidious influence we know that we cannot resist. Every time we lie in bed when we might be up, when we ought to be up praying, Every time we take a risk that strains our self-control. We are sowing. 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 To the flesh. Some Christians sow to the flesh every day. And wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest. Whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely On what we sow. Stock goes on to say. That we sow to the spirit. When we are careful. About the books we read. And the company we keep. And the entertainment we choose. This of course. In addition to the spiritual disciplines. Of Bible reading. And study. And prayer. And worshiping with the Lord's people. On the Lord's day. It's easy to sow to the flesh. At any time. But we are especially susceptible when we are weary. This makes Paul's encouragement in verse 9 essential for believers. We must find ways to avoid burnout. Reward is promised for those who persevere. Persevere. Anybody know what perseverance means? It's like... It's the, it's the forgotten quality in our, the, the forgotten character trait in our day of our never ending pursuit of the shiny new idol that promises us happiness, which we mistake for joy. Perseverance is maybe one of the, <clears throat> the reasons that it's lost is because. The notion of contentment is lost. And yet, we're told over and over in Scripture, be content with what you have. Such language is not good for capitalists. I love capitalism. I'm very grateful for it. But it is fraught with danger for the believer. Verse 10 instructs us to continue doing good to all. Especially to believers. That, by the way, is why our benevolence funds go first and foremost to the people in this body. And by the way, I, I, don't, I don't know who gives what to the church. And I don't want to know. Unless you're up for an elder position or a deacon position, then I wanna know. We're making decisions on a, on a lot of money, on, 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 on the gifts of God's people. Um, also, though, I, I kinda of wanna know, I want the deacons who are over the, the benevolence to check. If we're helping someone repeatedly, I wanna know if they're giving. It's important. We have family responsibilities. We all do. So as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. But it begins, everything begins in the household of faith. So I'm going to say more about that in a few moments. But I want to make application from all 10 verses that we have covered over these last few weeks. But not all these points of application are specifically driven by the text, but all of these points of application are a response to the text according to our context as a local church in the 21st century. But again, not against Scripture, but not as tightly tied maybe as most weeks. So... What are the principles in Galatians 6? Protect the purity of the gospel. Support and strengthen one another. Each must bear his or her own load. Out of a heart of gratitude, graciously support the ministry of the church family that God has assembled in this place. Sow to the spirit instead of the flesh and give generously to all men and women, but especially to those in the church family. Mostly, this following list is offered as a guide for us to consider together so that we will avoid falling prey to a weariness that can distract and overwhelm us with all its u- ugly. Repercussions, and there will be more suggestions in two weeks, August the sixth. But for today, let's begin with this first one. Grace Community Church is designed for you to participate in two primary times of worship: Sunday morning services and home groups. There is a le- there is a reason that church leaders across the land are sounding the alarm about so many choosing to watch church services from home rather than attend in person. There are reasons to watch from home on occasion, but convenience should never be one of those reasons. If we are designed to be the body and building and bride of Christ, then we need to be together. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all Sound judgment. While attendance on Sunday morning connects you with others in the family, it is hard to function like a family unless you're in a home group or in another church community in which you serve. But that, when you're serving in another community, that is not intended to be an either-or. Either I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm going to go to home group. Home groups are designed to allow believers to bear one another's burdens and to make oneself accountable in the best of ways. There are a lot of other meetings that we have here. Women's Bible study, men's breakfast, and and both of those are wonderful, wonderful opportunities to meet and fellowship and be instructed in the Lord. But there's nothing quite like Sunday morning service and home groups. To really dig in and get to know people. And as I say, to be accountable in the best of ways. We don't go around the room, you know, in home group and say, okay, who had impure thoughts this past week? Who gossiped this past week? It doesn't work like that. Accountability need not work like that. When we encourage and exhort one another in the word, it helps us to be The one who is so into the spirit rather than to the flesh. Again, we need to talk more about that in a few weeks. Second, it is highly advisable to limit your service to two ministries. And when necessary for a season to one, there is spiritual danger associated with weariness. Some ministries like Toiletry Pantry only require your service once a month or even every two months. So that would be an exception to the rule. I'm not talking about the leaders of Toiletry Pantry and the people who are gathering supplies and ordering supplies, that type of thing. But if you're just going to serve here on, on, on a Saturday morning, and that's only once every two, two months. Um, but just know you can't do everything. You're not supposed to do everything. If you volunteer for too many ministries, you will likely become overwhelmed at some point, at which time you will be tempted to grumble. And grumbling is a great danger both to the church family and to you. Of course there will be times when we'll get frustrated and we'll say things that we know we shouldn't say and like, I wish I hadn't said that. But sustained grumbling. Becomes an issue. Let's avoid it. At all cost. Third. Serve as God intended for you to serve. And rest as he intended for you to rest. Remember last week talking about Sabbath rest once a week. Finding the time even if it's not a complete day to Rest from all that you're doing, but not unintentional rest, but worshiping the Lord in that time. And I don't mean worshiping the Lord all day long and don't do some things that you would like to do to relax. That's, that's not what I mean, but I do mean that it needs to be intentional rest. And the same would be true for seasons. Uh, This series of messages is not designed, though, to bring a response that sounds like, thank goodness, now I don't feel guilty for not serving. I think I'm just going to take a year off. Uh, These messages are designed to help us balance our lives and our service and to avoid approaching a place where we can no longer manage the emotions associated with burnout. Fourth recognize that when it is time for rest, God will raise up someone else for the service that you're doing or the ministry itself just needs to rest for a season. We have rarely needed to cancel a ministry because of a shortage of workers. But we ought to at least be willing to to, to do it from time to time. Week after week, the children's ministry leadership team finds itself scrambling on Saturday night or on Sunday morning, and you see the, the notices, we need help in the nursery, we need help in grades 3 to 4, what, what, whatever the, the, the request is. Um, so we're constantly short on workers. But now, that is in no way a rebuke, because every church I know, I have never heard... A church say, man, we got all the nursery workers we need. We got all the children's ministry workers we need. Staffing is exceptionally, the people who are serving in children's ministry do a wonderful job. They need a little more help. And maybe from time to time, we just need to understand that perhaps on this day, on this Sunday, we're not able to provide this ministry. We need to be willing to do that. Keisha's been. A month at a time. Where she never sees either service. Because she's working in the back. So if it turns out. That there's not, there are not enough workers that day. We just need to be okay with that. And understand that. Now I don't know that it's ever happened. And hopefully it won't. But it should not. Happen at the expense It should not continue. We should not continue to offer every ministry possible every week at the expense of overworking our current children's ministry workers. Fifth, while you are resting from structured service, help in areas where you are able. We are still family after all. We talked about this last week. Honestly, I don't know of a church that does a better job of stepping in to help with ministry when someone is sick or away or just tired. You guys are truly great. The way you took care of Josh Tate last week when he got back from the Cuba trip. And by the way, Josh was in the same shape Ted McKinney was in when he came back. He was in serious trouble. If it had been a few more hours getting to the hospital, he would have been in a lot worse trouble. But the way you took care of him and the way that you prayed for one another after so many came home, just beginning to feel sick, but then got sick through the week this past week. It's amazing. Now, I'm tempted to think, just like some of you are, Maybe we just shouldn't do those kinds of ministries. Same thing with the Italy team, Came, coming back a lot sick. Sick over there, sick back, coming back. Maybe we should. No. Ask anybody who was on either one of those trips, was it worth it? Ask Josh, Josh Tate. Was it worth it? Yeah. It was. I could go on and on. Helping the Skinners move from Fuquay to Coates. Serving at the toiletry pantry. Setting up tables and moving chairs after the second service when there is a need. Jumping up when the notice for uh, need for help is on the screen. Stellar. Thank you. The sixth point is a continuation of this one. When you take a rest, do not remain on the sidelines. There is spiritual danger associated with inactivity. Look, this life is all or nothing. It truly is all or nothing. It, it's not partially in any way. <clears throat> we need to rest. That's part of being all in, is the Lord gives us opportunity to step back, and that's how we support one another, and we bear one another's Burdens When they're too heavy for one to bear. But we can't stay on the sidelines. You might well need to take a break from serving in a high demand ministry. Get some rest. God designed for you to rest. But don't remain there. Remember verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And by the way, there's so much that we can do when we take a break from those bigger ministries or those more demanding ministries. Little ways to help. If nothing else, be aware of people that you don't know. And when you go up and you say, oh, are you, are you new here to Grace? Is this your first day? And they say, no, I've been coming for a year. That's okay. It's, it's okay. If you've been coming for a year and somebody asks you that, say, you listened to the sermon, didn't you? <laughs> and you were paying attention. Thank you. My name is so and so. Just get to know people. It could be. It could be that the person you reach out to Desperately needs to hear from the Lord. You've heard those testimonies. I thought I'd give it one more try. And then I was, I didn't know how I was going to keep going on. In fact, I made the decision not to go on. Then I went to this church. And pers- one person after another welcomed me. And I'm an introvert and I don't like that. But I liked it. Lots of ways you can serve. That leads to our final point. Serve as you are able, knowing that you can rest at the end. Look, I've, I've given this analogy. You know it, but it really works here. When I was six years old, I joined the Fuqua Wave Arena swim team. I did quite well, but sad to say, I peaked when I was 10 years old. During those glory years, though, (laughs) I won a lot of races and I won many of those races because my mother's words were ringing in my ears as I was coming down the stretch. You can rest at the end. You can rest at the end. I think the verse in Hebrews, I, I, I just love this asymmetry Strive to enter that rest. I recognize that there's a big difference in a 25 or 50 yard race. And yes, it used to be yards, not meters. And the whole of life, they're two different things all together. And I also realize that this message is about resting, not pushing through when you are exhausted. Nonetheless, We have been given ministry with purpose and sometimes we do need to persevere and push through. We cannot do that without intentional rest though and without support for and from one another. One of the best ways to help one another is to walk in the spirit and to encourage others to do the same. So how do you even walk in the Spirit? What does that look like? Well, a few paragraphs uh, from the book of liturgies known as Every Moment Holy will help here. Uh, If you don't have this first volume of Every Moment Holy, it is worth purchasing. It has the potential to be as meaningful to you as any book that you own outside of the Bible for the rest of your life. Now, I recognize that it's not going to be nearly as meaningful to some of you as it is to me, but it's been that for me in the five plus years since Allison and I have owned this book. It's the first book I reach for when I am weary. And in fact, I was reminded of a liturgy this week, a portion of which I will share, because I had decided to read one liturgy a day in this book, from this book, for, for the next two to three months, and to do that as my devotions in the morning. I mean, I do devotions all kinds of different ways. Sometimes I use help. Sometimes I'm just going through scripture. But this is what I'm doing for the next two to three weeks. And why did I decide to do that? weariness. Just weariness. Weary. I sense a weariness in my own soul or at least playing at the edges trying to get in. So today's reading comes from a liturgy of the hours and it's the midday reading. There's a daybreak, midday, nightfall. And as I read this liturgy, Pray these words in your heart and be aware that you're communing with everybody in this room. We are communing with one another as it is read. A liturgy of the hours. Remember, this comes at midday. If our hearts have already been tempted this day to believe anything about ourselves or about others that does not take into account your creation, Your mercy, your sacrifice, your grace, your forgiveness, your redemption, and your unshakable love, O God, remind us again of these truths, giving us faith enough to believe and hope enough to choose to embrace them again and again. Or if we have been swayed from the place of resting in your grace today. Swayed by shame, by error, by vanity, by pride, or by the love of the praise of people. Act, O Holy Spirit. Reveal our error. Convict conscience and bring us to quick repentance. Rekindle our affections restoring them again to their, own, to their one worthy object, who is Christ, and who alone holds the words of eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we... Come to the one who promised that a bruised reed he would not break, or a smoldering wick he would not snuff out. We come to the foot of the cross and gaze upon our Savior. who went the distance and gave all for us. But Jesus rested on the Sabbath. There were times He withdrew due to weariness. There were times that He pushed through. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment to know how to follow You well. Lord, give us a love for you that is so great that we give our all. Give us a love for one another that we quickly run to share the burdens. And give us a perseverance that is graced by the presence and the service of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if there are those who, Lord, uh, here this morning who have sought to move toward you by being the best they could be in hopes that you would receive them. May they see that you have moved toward us through Jesus. And that for those who will repent and believe, they'll be saved. We love you. We need you. We commit ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen.